and welcome to the In Contention Podcast. I'm Joey Pasco with Matt Banstuber, <clears throat> excuse me, Cranstuber, <laughs> and Ruben Bressler. Ruben, how's big, it going, everyone? Big time Bressler. That's right. I'm, I'm Mr. Big Time now. You, Mr. Hollywood. Big time. Mr. Ruben gets to rent out a conference room. That's uh, that, that's about well, as big time as he gets. If by rent you mean just like use while no one else is in here, and by conference room you mean like concrete on all sides, just empty room. With with a mop and... (laughs) There's like a trash can and like steel beams on the wall. Like, it's not... It's not not Hollywood. It's not Hollywood enough for me. Alright, fair enough. So, uh, we got a a lot of topics to talk about today. We had a pretty exciting weekend last... uh, This past weekend in in Columbus. Oh, yeah, that... It was an insane, uh, insane weekend and a very rare opportunity for the three of us to be in the same room together. Yeah. Right. Do you want to uh, run down the hashtags for us there, Cranny? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we got some good stuff to talk about this week. Um, so uh, our first one is, is uh, hashtag big announcement. So right. that's, uh, that's coming up soon, so stay tuned. Yeah, we've been talking about that for a while. Uh, then we have uh, hashtag Star City Ohio slash Origins um, sub hashtag uh, not going to talk about Delver. Okay, maybe we're going to talk about Delver. <laughs> Sub hashtag, that's big game. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about Tomoharu Saito coming back to the game. Um, and uh, and uh, actually, this is still under Star City Ohio Grizzle Band, which is obviously yep. something I like to talk about because it's talking about banning a card. And <laughs> uh, we'll talk a little bit about Plane Chase. And then there's a subject that we wanted to touch a little bit on last week, which is basically... Um, Magic as a media or magic as a, a, an entertainment platform. So lots of good stuff to talk about. But uh, Ruby, announcement. What do you got? Okay, so everyone, sit down, strap yourselves in. Here's the announcement. Your favorite podcast in contention will soon be the official Star City Games podcast next episode. Wow. Yay. Hold your applause, everybody. You know, Right. So you'll be able to uh, – we, we will be an official Star City Games podcast. That means that we will be uh, – you will be able to listen to the podcast from StarCityGames.com. And uh, we got a, we got a couple people to thank for that. Uh, we got to thank Lauren Lee and Evan Irwin for uh, helping sort everything out. Um, and we should also thank Pete Heffling, president of Star City Games, because at some point um, along the way I'm sure he was involved. So thanks to all the people on Star City End. Um, and I think that I want to shout out, as per usual, uh, Ghost of In Contention Past, Sam Stodd, for helping build the brand and making all this possible. So, Yeah, I know there's a Sam somewhere shedding a tear for uh, – tears of happiness for the podcast. Uh, although I don't know if, if, if that, the success of, of uh, In Contention you know, being sponsored by Star City will top the fact that he's been in two Tales from the Pits. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that is sick. Being in Tales, oh my god! So, <laughs> yeah, he was that, in, in that's this big morning. game. Yeah, yeah, that is a big game. That, Speaking of big a, game, big game hunter. So, uh, oh, I, I guess we should probably say the format of the show isn't going to change much. Um, you know, we've we've always been uh, been one to to cover you know all the big tournaments. So we're going to continue to do that. It's going to be the right, same right, kind of lineup. Something along the lines of like we're brought to you by Star City Games, without the Major League Baseball, et cetera. <laughs> uh, verbatim. Yeah, exactly yes, that, that. All of what I just said. 
So, yeah. You're too right, good at that, Ruben. Let's, let's move on before I just, like... Keep doing it. And... Yeah, exactly. So, uh, this last weekend, uh, as we as we said before, it was Star City Columbus, or SCG Ohio. And uh, that was at the Origins Game Fair, which has been coming to Columbus for, gosh, it's over Forever. 15 years at this point. Yeah. And... Um, it, it was an it was an amazing weekend. Joey came up because he was uh, he was doing the commentating gig with um, Cedric Phillips, which um, which was an amazing combination. I think they had really good chemistry. I had some time uh, on Saturday and Sunday before I came up to the event hall to to tune in and uh, watch the early rounds of Standard and the finals. And uh, yeah, so good good job there, Joey. I think you guys you, you guys really clicked. That was good. Thanks. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Cedric is a character, and uh, I, I had a blast. And I we hadn't met before Friday night. We hadn't really chatted. Like he sent me a Facebook message a few weeks ago, but that that you know was about the extent of our interaction before Friday night, and uh, and then being in the booth all weekend. So for uh, it felt like the chemistry was was pretty natural without Good. us. us yeah, having. it looked great, and it also created the new Cedric Phillips meme. Yeah. The 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 like Billy the Big Mouth Bass leaning at the camera. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, uh, I love that picture. Insane. Insane. No, it's if if we if we can remember to do that because that that's pretty insane. Yeah. All right. So, so uh, Star City um, Columbus was like a really good event. Um, you know, uh, there were there were nearly 500 players for the standard portion, and uh, just under what was it 300 for the legacy? I think it was. Like, I think it was like. 250-ish. Yeah, 258, I think, was the number I, I remember. So yeah, very, right under the cutoff. Very good turnout um, for for both events. And uh, we talked a lot last week about um, the results from the previous Star City tournament, which seated uh, six blue-white Delver lists in the top eight. And the top eight for Star City Columbus is a little bit better, given that there's a couple more archetypes in there. Uh, there but four. There's still four, but if you look through the top, well, they only posted the top 27 deck lists, but uh, it's an overwhelming majority of blue-white Delver. I mean, it's not even like variations of Delver. I mean, it's just blue-white Delver. Uh, so rather than have us rehash some of the discussion from last week, uh, we figure we would save you and uh, a little sanity there and maybe talk a little bit about um, what the standard metagame is going to look like after we see M13. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Well, it's but, also important to point out that the finals didn't have a Delver deck in it. it no. Was solar it, Flare against Zombies. No, and also the finals had friend of the podcast, Mark Sun, um, in the top eight. Yeah, in, in the top eight. That's yeah. right. At All Suns Dawn, hashtag Frito Lay. <laughs> so, hashtag yeah. I make chips. Yep. And uh, and Cincinnati native Michael Belfato was the winner. And uh, you may, I mean, if you follow along with with Magic, you may recognize the name because he top aided Grand Prix Columbus during the Flash Hulk era with a black white aggro deck that was the worst looking thing I've ever seen. But it had like plague slivers. In it. <laughs> wow. Like a hand of cruelty. It was a. It was a. That that, that deck was interesting, but he top well, eight with it. He's a big brewer, and and he's uh, he does very consistently well in the Midwest tournaments. Um, he yep. actually double top eighted this weekend. Yeah, 
did. Yeah, he, uh. he won. He won in standard with a, with a kind of a brew, and then he top aided in legacy with a brew. You know, something of a brew. Uh, so I, I loved both of the decks he he played over the weekend, and I every time he was on camera, I was really excited to watch. Yeah, let's talk about that Esper deck a little bit because this is this is a very standard different. Game? What's that, Ruby? Standard. Yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah. His yeah, standard yeah. Deck. Uh, it's it's more of like a Sun Titan control deck than anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, the creature package being two Phantasmal Image, three Sun Titan, and then only oh, in an Elishnorn, and then only two Planeswalkers, and everything else is, uh, is removal, and then cards like um, Curse of Deathhold, Deadweight, Oblivion Ring, those are singletons, uh, a full suite of Lingering Souls. Right, uh, place it's just, mostly. Yeah, it's just a very, like... It looks very tricky. I, I imagine that you couldn't just sleeve this up and sit down to play, um, you know, to, to, to play like an FNM or something. I feel like you'd have to grind this out for 20 or 30 matches before you before you get the intricacies of how this thing works. Um, yeah. Any thoughts? I, I thought it was a really exciting looking deck. No Snapcaster Mages, uh, you know, just something that I, I feel like I'm always wanting to put it in my control decks and... You know, it really, I don't know if it always belongs. Uh, and in this case, obviously, Belfado's list just, you know, says, I don't I don't need Snapcaster. It doesn't really work that well in this deck. But Sun Titan Phantasmal Image is, is huge. Um, one thing I noticed over the weekend was, you know, a lot of people playing Jerry's list, you know, the one that he won with last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people taking that as the starting point and maybe changing a few cards, including Jerry himself. He, uh, he switched out a couple of lands played two copies of cavern of souls he you know he sl- made some slight changes um, he added the fourth uh restoration angel yeah fourth restoration angel fourth Gataxian probe a second gut shot and i think he he yeah. cut or moved he uh, cut the thought scours i think yeah and the the divine offering yeah so uh an important know. interaction to point out in in uh michael Fado's deck by the way is the one dead weight um, you were you're talking about Delver. The, the Delver decks are pretty much universally playing four Geist of St. Traft, which, of course, have Hexproof. Mm-hmm. But if you Sun Titan back your dead weight, you can put it on a Geist. That's right. Good point. I so that's love that one. interaction. I, my favorite thing to do about ten years ago was to sack my Academy Rector and then put Confiscate on a Morphling. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. a good one. That was the first time I learned about that interaction when someone did that against me. And I'm like, you can't do that. I'm going to give it Shroud or, you know. Right. Yeah, that's that's a that's pretty so, that's a big game. It's really I'm sure, tricky. I'm sure that happened several times during the day. Like, this deck is very geared towards being able to take care of hexproof things with the Sun Titan being able to bring back Dead Weight and Oblivion Ring. He's got two main deck ratchet bombs. Um, he, he can make uh, he can make people sack it to Liliana. He can make people attack into it with a Gideon. There's and then there's the Elish Norn, which obviously takes down two twos. This is very geared to beat uh, guy to Saint Traft. Yeah, I think I, um, I think one one thing I wanted to also point out is you know in reference to him having lingering souls, uh, where I was kind of going with the Delver discussion is one of the big changes that we saw a lot of people making was switching sort of feast and famine for sort of war and peace and. Obviously, that's going to make the lingering souls a little less appealing. So, uh, I think it's kind of this this battle between all right, our, if everybody's playing Sword of War and Peace, lingering souls gets worse. If everybody's playing Sword of Feast and Famine, you see like right. lingering souls get better. And I think the most of the room stuck with the Sword of Feast and Famine, but we did see several moving to Sword of War and Peace. Yeah. 
Um, I want to talk a little bit about the blue-black zombies deck because it's one we haven't really covered a lot uh, in the show previously. The second-place deck played by Michael Marlowe is the blue-black zombies list that runs um, Blood Artist, which is the card that really kind of makes this deck able to work. And then um, Blood Artist is Killing Wave. And Killing Wave. And then you'll notice that it also has Geth's Verdict. So there's, like, all these cards that, you know, very similar to the way that Vapor Snag just, like, does that extra few points of damage. Um, The combination of Geth's Verdict, Killing Wave, and Blood Artist among a deck that's meant to play Dross Messengers and Mortar Pod your opponent to death, it feels almost like the old Vampire Affinity list where we had Claustra Highborn and uh, and Viscera Sierra, and you're just like, the whole point of the deck is like, yeah, sure, I can I can beat you down two two three damage at a time, but like when I'm ready to win, I'm just gonna machine gun like I'm gonna machine gun you death. I'm gonna play phantasmal images, copying uh, Dross Messengers, and then I'm going to sack them to mortar pods, and you're just gonna take you're in, in one turn. You're gonna take ten damage. Yeah, and um, and I love this deck. I love that it has access to Cavern of Souls and Killing Wave. Is just such it's such awesome tech. That like especially with a blood artist on the board, and you can just you can theoretically killing wave for one with blood artist on the board, and your Delver opponent's just pretty much just dead because if they're at ten, let's say before your let's say this is before your attack, and they've got like let's say they got like Delver, Geist, Angel in the mid game, and you've got three guys, and one of and in addition to the blood artists, they are just taking a million damage. Let alone killing wave for two. Like well, we no. saw killing wave for zero win a game. Yeah. So, I mean, it's ridiculous. He, I think he had two blood artists. You know, he's th- this deck is awesome. For anybody who loves aggro, this deck is just like a, a really nice, aggressive deck that has a lot of reach, kind of like those Vampires decks that y- you mentioned. The most aggressive 01 ever printed. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. No, no, I take step back. Step, second. Step length's pretty, pretty aggressive. A good okay. call. Yeah, uh, but you can set it up to where, you're, you know, you're beating down with these uh, two power one drops. And, yep. and things like that. You get a bloodline keeper on the board. You've got a couple of guys. You get two bloodline keepers on the board, which is what happened in the match that uh, that I was referring to. He plays a killing wave for zero, and it doesn't. He doesn't care what his opponent sacrifices yeah, because just he just a billion. he sacrifices all his guys. Every guy does two, and uh, and that was you know that was plenty. I'm not really surprised yeah, is- that that this deck did well um, in a sea of Delver, given that. I mean, the the only non-creature spells that you have are are spells that you want to cast at instant speed, and then cards like Ponder aren't worth mana leaking anyway. So, like the fact that you have all these one drops that are just going to come down, you're, they're never going to have anything to block them profitably. Um, so if you get a if you get a hand that's that's filled with uh, a few one drops in a mortar pod, you know mortar pod's always been good against you know Delver. So I I I, I really like this deck, and um, if I play the Invitational. Or I, I am going to play in the Invitational. My my choices are between playing this deck and something like uh, Belfie's List. Yeah. yeah, I would I would also point out that this this deck is also very equipped to deal with Geist. Um, yes. Geist had always been sort of the trump card for Delver. Uh, people were like, how do we answer Delver? Or now how do we answer Snapcaster Mage? And those are easy. But this deck has um, has uh, Guess Verdict, has Killing Wave. And has just two power or uh, one man, two power guys, and also a full playset of main deck phantasmal images yes. to be able to kill Geist. And it's got the thing that I really love about this deck is uh, is more of a flavor draft thing. Is it has appetite for brains in the sideboard? Yeah, 
And um, I really, really like that, especially like if you look at um, like Belfato's list, I would love to have that access to that card because it deals with, with a lot of his cards. Um, the the uh, the Terminus type cards, all of the Planeswalkers, um, the Sun Titans. So yeah, it's I, very I, important for snagging Planeswalkers. Yeah, I, I like that. Although, you know, it, the same argument could be made for Despise maybe being a little, having a little more utility, but um, the fact that that card gets all, all the Wraths um, is uh, is really good. So, yeah. Yeah, um, so there's so, uh there's a, a good match if you guys want to see that deck in action, and it, it I don't it's it's not the one where I think he killing wave for one. Although I could be wrong, but there is a top eight match. I believe it's uh, maybe in the top four, but whatever it is, it's it's Michael Marlowe versus Jeff Rasmussen, and Jeff is playing uh, Porcelain Legionnaire Delver, if that's a way to define his version right, of the Delver right. list. And he just puts up a wall of creatures, and it looks like he's he's got the game, and then Killing Wave just kills him. So yep, um, that was semifinals. Okay, that's what I thought. So if I thought you guys want to go back in the coverage and check that out, you can you can go to Star City and check it out in the coverage. Yeah. Archived. Uh, the last deck that I definitely recommend you uh, checking out is, uh, I'll, I'll call this guy an up-and-comer. His name's Evan Wagstaff. Um, he's been doing really well in the Star City uh, circuit. He actually just won. We did a PTQ here in Columbus. He won for Seattle. Um, and oh, wow. uh, the, the deck that he's playing is Naya Agro. And this list is, again... Really cool, um, really fresh list that um, you know you don't, you don't see around too much because usually the the Nia decks are are Nia Pod decks because those are, those, those get a little more press these days. Um, and, and his list is uh, is really awesome, mostly because I'm looking at four Huntmaster of the Fells, four Restoration Angel, four Cavern Souls, and like that just makes me really happy. Um, but it also has like Thalia, Guru, Green Sun Zenith, uh, Borderland Ranger. It's just it's a really nice, solid Naya. Um, I, I guess you could call it aggro. It's not probably not really aggro, but um, it's it's a really really good list. That again, it's uh, if you're going to be grinding out um, Delver mirrors all, all or Delver matches all day, this is the kind of deck that I want to have on my side of the table um, to to battle those decks because I feel like it it has pretty good pretty good game. So. Um, but if you guys don't mind, I, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit to talk about the legacy portion, which was really, um, which pretty is pretty exciting. Yeah, it was a really diverse meta this time, and, and, and almost like overnight, we saw a, a new deck come about. So, yep. you uh, want to take it away there? That, well, there are seven archetypes in the top eight here, which is very interesting, because, and none of them. Well, Maverick. Maverick ended up getting ninth, which is typically uh, referred to as like one of the three pillars of the metagame. But we had some real weird ones in top eight. Mud made the finals. Michael Belfato's blue white control was in uh, the, the semis. And then, of course, we had uh, uh, a Belcher deck in the top eight. And, of course, the headlining uh, deck of the tournament was Todd Anderson's hypergenesis list. Yeah. Yes. So, the reason why this deck works now is because of uh, Plane Chase. Plane Chase just came out, and uh, one of the abilities that they brought back, uh, other than Ninjutsu, Devour, was uh, Cascade. And Todd Anderson's deck has six cards from the new from the new Plane Chase Chaos Reigns. Most importantly, a playset of Shardless Agent. So Shardless Agent is an artifact creature. For a colorless, a green, and a blue. It's a 2-2 Cascade. And this does a co- some very important things for the deck. It makes you not have to play white 
for uh, for Ardent Plea or black for Demonic Dread. It lets you keep to a rug mana base, which lets you have t- uh, 10 fetch lands and 6 other lands to be able to go get. So your mana is significantly better. And then you've also got he, – he was playing two Maelstrom Wanderer. Maelstrom Wanderer, the legendary 7-5-8 drop that has, that has Cascade Cascade. Of course, you're not cascading off your Maelstrom Wanderer most of the time because you're just putting it into play. But he gives everyone on your team haste. So you just go Maelstrom Wanderer, Emrakul, and you're dead. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty ridiculous. The, um, the version that we – another version we saw – Went with the uh, what's it called? Acroma's Memorial. Acroma's Memorial instead of the uh, instead the of the Maelstrom Wander. Maelstrom Wander, of course, is more susceptible to Path to Exile, uh, which is why I believe the the uh, Acroma's Memorial version was was played in the the other deck. But uh, both of them seem fine. The other thing about Maelstrom Wander is it's blue, so you can remove it to Force of Will. Exactly. And, and misdirection. So you've got like full, and also Shardless Agent, if you have extras, can be removed to Force of Will. So you've got the full Spirit Guides, you've got eight uh, uh, Cascade things, and then just a bunch of blue cards you can remove to Force of Will. And of course, four Gristlebrand. Yeah, well, so, that's go ahead, Matt. Gristlebrand, it, this deck feels to me like the old Trix decks. Now, I'll tell you why. Um, the old Trix decks used to play, uh, I'll, I'll give you the quick rundown. It was like Necropotence was your main yep. draw engine. Um, this is going to be pulse dark ritual banning, but you would, you would play cards like Force of Will, Misdirection. Then you would have your combo, which is Donate Illusions of Grandeur. And what, what would happen is you would, you would play a Necro, and you would Necro up, you know, like let's say seven cards because you're trying to dig for the combo. Once you got your combo online, you would necro like the rest of your deck just so that you could fill it up with counter magic to protect your combo or to protect your necropotence. And that's what this, this deck does is it wants to resolve a turn two hypergenesis to get Gristlebrand into play and then just sit back on the eight free counter spells that it runs. Because if yep. you have, if you have a sword supply here, you can activate, you could draw 14 cards. Do you think you're going to hit a force of will? Plus a blue card in that amount of in that in that amount of uh, uh, cards. Of course yeah. you are. You, in a you, fourth you, of your deck, absolutely. So you have in most cases, if you resolve a hypergenesis, you're going to have double counter protection, if not triple counter protection, uh, by by having Gristlebrand, which is why the only big targets that well, you have three big targets. You have Progenitus, Gristlebrand, Emrakul. So you protect your Gristlebrand the first turn. The second turn, you're going to hypergenesis again so that you can get the haste from the Emrakul. Or, heck, maybe you just put Emrakul and, and a Progenitus into play and just go. Take your yeah. turn. You're, you're going to die. Just do, you know, play your Savannah and, and whatever. You're, you're dead. So Legacy is the funniest format right now. Because everyone's just playing these enormous shotguns. Like, everyone's <laughs> just bringing shotguns. Like, it used to be these, like, you know, ru- so Rugdelver, Rugdelver won, and they're, like, sort of like a, you know, a dude with a couple of knives, and that's fine, and he, he won. But then you've got, like, these decks that try to, like, sneak Maelstrom Wanderers and Progenitus into play. Then you've got a deck that combos out and puts a hasty Blightsteel Colossus into play in the finals. You've got all these miracles and blue-white control. You've got these, you know, like, Entreat the Angels. And, and of, of course, Jace is still a big heavy hitter. And then you've obviously just got Belcher, which is the biggest shotgun of them all, but can only hit, like, a third of the time. And oh. so you've got Sneak and Show, Belcher, and Hypergenesis, and Mud, and Blue Blue Way Control, 
And Dredge is a deck still. Like these giant shotguns, just everyone's just trying to blast each other, and they're so unwieldy that no one can hit anybody. I just have this, just this image. Thing. Yeah, I just you're just like all this talk. Like it evokes this image of all these players just kind of sneaking in, trying to sneak bazookas in under trench coats. You know? Like, yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, uh, surprise! I had a bazooka. And, and, and then Rug Delver, which is still probably the best deck in the format, put two in the top eight, and the winner, Athens Native. Eric Rill. You can follow him at, at Eric Relentless. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice pun on that one. Keeping it real? <laughs> Keeping it real. I have a photo on my Facebook of him drinking a beer out of his uh, trophy. So, nice. Sweet. So I, I want to talk a little bit about where the metagame is going to go after we see top eights like this. But before we do that, I want to talk about hashtag big game. Joey, you get to see this on camera, so I want you to give your perspective, um, because this was seriously the funniest. I think this was the most funny moment I've ever seen on camera uh, uh, between a match. And the one I'm specifically talking about is um, the match between the mud player, Eric Fry, and Todd Anderson in the semifinals. Uh, this was, no, this was uh, 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 quarterfinals. Yeah. Quarterfinals, yeah. Right. But it's, you know, that match. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, obviously, you know, the Mud deck is a deck that, that pops up here and there. And I think um, I, I described it a little bit on the coverage was when I first saw it, um, meaning like, you know, last year, when I, because when I started getting into Legacy and saw the Mud list, it was never very impressive. And uh, so to see it top eight was kind of like, oh, hmm, this, may, maybe this has something. Well, Todd Anderson with his ridiculous hypergenesis uh, list. I believe this happened in Game 3. It did. Yeah, Game 3 in the quarterfinals. Todd Anderson versus Eric Fry. Todd has the option to either go off with uh, show-and-tell, you know, go off in quotes with show-and-tell, uh, or hypergenesis. So he can he can do either one. And um, he decides, you know, he's got, like, uh, I think Embrical and Progenitus in his hand. So he's going to go ahead and, uh, and get the, the hypergenesis combo off. So he combos off, he puts out uh, Progenitus and, and Embercle. His opponent drops three Worm Coil Engines and a, uh, what, is, what is it, Spine of Isha? And spine, I, spine of Isha. Yeah. yeah. So Spine of Isha takes out the, uh, you know, the Embercle. Nice. It was, it was ridiculous. Nice format. Yeah, it, it was so ridiculous. And, like, the thing is that Todd, Todd was kind of damned if he did, damned if he didn't. Because he, if he, if he show and tells, it's like such a gamble. Because uh, Eric could have very easily had the spines, which I think he had. Like, I, I'm actually going to pull this list up here mm -hmm. because in the main deck he had one, and actually, so he just had the one. So it was just a, a total miser that that he happened to have it. But well, um, he also he had two duplicates in the sideboard. So exactly. So he could have. He could have. He like if he if he just puts in progenitus. And then um, Eric puts in, you know, like any other guy, like Blightsteel Colossus or um, or something that he can race, like or Platinum Imperium or something. Um, then he, then nothing's going to happen. But if he puts in the Emrakul, then he then he can get blown out. So it was uh, it was really risky to play the Hypergenesis. But I could I, it was just such a tech keep by Eric. Um, I actually was joking around in the uh, in the chat. The game game one, I noticed that Eric. Like he should, he I think he knew what Todd Anderson was playing, and I was really expecting him to, to aggressively mulligan into Chalice, because at that point, if you if you get Chalice down, 
then Todd's only out is to play a show and tell, which you can probably play. Like you could probably get around show and tell, like by, you know, forge mastering or uh, get, you know, getting it, getting a big turn where you can get your big stuff into play. And uh, so he didn't, he kept a seven and uh, it was, it was reasonable, but I think he ended up, I think he ended up losing that one. But then the second game or the third game, yeah, he I, won. Eric won game one and then lost game two and won game three uh, off yeah. of Todd's. Basically, whenever Todd cast Hypergenesis to go off, uh, his opponent won in, in that match. Well, <laughs> and that's what made that's what made his, his keep so tech. And I, I honestly didn't even think like of how many, how many big dudes he had. So in Twitter, I'm like, why isn't Eric more aggressively mulliganing into Chalice? Doesn't he realize that that like just invalidates Todd's whole deck? Um, and then, and then I, I asked, cause there's other people in tournament hall. I'm like, does he have more gas than I see? I think I copied Mark's son on it. And like, not even like 10 seconds later, the hypergenesis resolves. And then all these big idiots come into play. And I'm just like, right. Oh, I see. Like, <laughs> yeah. So that, that was a, like mud is a really interesting choice right now, given that you get to have the access to chalice and Trinisphere, which, um, isn't necessarily, good in a field uh like we saw last week where you know the decks can like the, the sneak and show decks just don't care yeah um yeah. but i think like as the format evolves we're going to see more storm decks come out um to because the storm decks i think are just a turn faster than the sneak and show decks um and potentially even faster than the hypergenesis decks uh except the hypergenesis decks have disruption so it brings up an interesting point of where the legacy metagame is going to go. Like, what are we going to see at the Invitational? Um, you know, uh, Ari, Ari Lax um, was kind of debating what he was going to play. We were talking about it. And he ended up um, playing Storm. And um, and, and he's thinking that, uh, like, I, I want to play Counterbalance. And he's thinking that Counterbalance might po- be poised for a comeback after we see decks like um, Bug come back into the format to fight these these sort of all index and punish them for, you know, basically playing all these haymakers and, and playing like, you know, uh, uh, cards like, you know, Himbatorak and, 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 and force of will and, and all the control cards, get those back in the mix. So that's kind of an interesting take on, on where the format might go, but I don't know. We've been like, I don't, I don't know how you, with all of these humongous cards in the format, I don't know like where, where like a good niche is like you just can't beat them join them or or what well that's one way to do it i mean that's what a lot of people are doing with delver and standard if we can't beat them join them but the thing about delver and standard is that you have so many more angles that you can shoot it with delver you can you can play pretty much any type of game you can be aggro you can be control you can be sort of you can switch gears right in between sneaking just kind of a one-trick pony same with hypergenesis. These have one thing that they do very well. They're shotguns. And if you figure out a way to throw a kink in the mix, then you're just dead. And like I'm, like I said, Rug Delver was the winner. It beat Mud in the finals handily. So, you know, if you've got tricks, if you've got Spell Pierce and, and Stifle and or Stifle, you know, it's going to be tough for your opponents who really need these giant idiots in play or need these big mana spells to do anything yeah, so wasteland I, I, is so good there i'm sorry wasteland is is very good plus all oh, the damage so a metal worker isn't going to stick around very long right well the good the good mud players are going to uh wait to play their two mana land second or third to be able to actually play something but um you know not everyone's going to be playing mud but uh yeah there are all these type of combo decks and if you play a spell pierce 
you got a good chance of winning. So I think that's that's probably where we're headed next is things like Thalia and Stuff Pierce are going to see the highest amount of play. Is anybody surprised that we don't see more Maverick in, in this metagame here? Because I'm, I'm actually pretty surprised that we don't see... Like, there's there's about, I'd say, uh, a fifth or a sixth of the meta based on this breakdown is, is Maverick. I kind of expected it to be higher just because I think it has a pretty good game against most of the decks in the top eight, except for probably Belcher. Well, yeah, it has a real problem with, with decks that go off turn one. So Hypergenesis and Belcher are a problem. Sneak and Show is less of a problem. It's still not easy, though. Like, Maverick is very well positioned. It beats up on all of the fair decks, and it loses to the comics. So if Storm make a comeback, it just loses to that. It loses often to Belcher and Hypergenesis. But it's very good against um, you know, some of the, some of the control-y decks. It's very good against Stoneblade, for example. But the other thing is that Maverick's matchup against Delver has gotten worse. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why, but it has. Um, it, it's probably the inclusion of, uh, of Stifles in Rod Delver. Um, it, they also have Forked Bolt now, uh, or Fire Rest sometimes. They have their own scavenging news oftentimes. So they're, they're, they're much more equipped to be able to deal with Mavericks, you know, white dudes. Also, they have Sulfur Elemental on the sideboard, which is a problem. Yeah, Drew, Drew Levin's been, uh kind of espousing the virtues of uh, of Mog Fanatic in Rub Delver to fight uh, various things in the format, among others, as far as, like, a, you know, you have Mother of Runes, you can hit a lot easier. Uh, and, of course, you break up, like, Narc Amoeba, uh, break up Bridge from Below, things like yeah. that. So he, uh, wow. he he was talking to me about that on Saturday when he, he stopped by, you know, like a whirlwind. He kind of just came in was like, I'm here, goodbye, that was it. Yeah, he was but, driving up to, up to Madison to work on a political campaign. Anyway, um, yeah, well, yeah Legacy is Legacy's an, interesting, an interesting case. The other thing is that the Invitational, uh, the, the players who play in the Invitational tend to want to have more control. So I, I anticipate less combo at the Invitational. Right. I, I want to play um, I want to play a deck with uh, Painter Servant and Grindstone in it. Um, but the fact that there's so many Emrakul decks right now oh, is no, hurting it. And this is actually something I want to kind of we, – we, we didn't really talk as much about Grizzlebrand as we probably should, given that um, Grizzlebrand is a very integral part of two decks out of the top eight, um, and then it extends itself into um, the, re, the Reanimator deck. We've even seen it um, in Dredge. So it's, uh, it's supplanting itself – I don't even know if that's the right word in, – um, in a number of different archetypes. And the question is um, – you know, when you look at Gristlebrand, is it really any more fair than than Yogmoth's bargain? No, obviously not. I mean, it's it, okay, so the 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 trade off is it's two mana more, but then you get a lifelink flyer, and that's absurd. Like bargain and necropotence are unfair and banned in various formats for a reason. Yogmoth's bargain was put on the banned and restricted watch list before Urza's Destiny came out to the public. <laughs> yeah. It was it's the only card that that's ever happened with. I remember was- an article uh I it was in it was back when they still did Inquest and Scry and there was a picture of bargain that still sticks in my head that said the most powerful card ever printed. <laughs> Well, I mean, they were pretty close. I mean, the the the, the Mono White Academy Rector deck that ran one Dogmoss Bargain and one Phyrexian Tower 
to put a bargain into play, was one of the biggest players in, in standard for a little while. Um, and, I mean, it, it's an incredibly powerful effect, being able to trade your life for cards, and then it has lifelink. Yeah, the fact, the fact that it has lifelink, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense how that, how that was able to sneak by, but, uh, I mean, you know... It, go ahead, I'm sorry, Granny, go ahead. No, you're fine, Joe, go ahead. I was just going to you know, make some snarky comment about back when they designed Gristlebrand, Magic was an entirely different game, right? I mean, way <laughs> yeah. back in, what, last back summer? In six maybe? months ago. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, this, it was a pre over world when they designed this card. But I think the other thing that they could have done, they could have not given it lifeline and made it cost seven mana and then not given me OCD. Yeah, yeah. It cost eight, and that's the worst. Yeah, I think the lifelink is what puts it over the top. And, you know... The the fact that there's there's nobody out there saying hey it's it's totally fair card like you don't need to ban this card it's not it's not unfair uh, you know if you take we've we've often talked about sh- cards like show and tell and Emrakul having a a little timer on them that that we don't know when the timer is going to go off but there is going to come a time when show and tell is not going to be doing good things for the format any, anymore. I would not, like, if, if I was a betting man, I would not be buying $50 show-and-tells right now. I agree. Um, look, at, look, at the, look at all of the decks. You got Dream Halls, Hive Mind, uh, Sneak Attack, Hypergenesis, did I forget it? A Reanimator. Yeah. Five, I mean, this- five decks. And, and in all five decks, it's doing the most broken thing that you can do in any of those five decks. Yes. So they, they, I think that that card's probably the highest on my probability list of getting getting the boot. There was a, um, the the other one, obviously, is uh, is Emrakul, which um, which was a mistake. I mean, yeah. you can't you can't print that card. You can't be like, hey, I got an idea. So we'll just make everything you ever wanted on a creature. But we'll make it cost a lot. There's no way anyone will sneak it into play. Seek attack it into play. Yeah, I mean, well, you can't reanimate it. They did shut that that line off. So, well, it's theoretically, really... you, I mean, you sort of can. Like, you well, can. It's a lot dip, more difficult. I mean, like you, the the main way of sneaking it or getting it into play is something like show and tell or sneak attack. And so right, it's, which it's... I mean, it extended. They had Gorio's Vengeance. I mean, there's a there was a, a guy who won the uh, uh, PTQ in Columbus who was Windbrisk heitzing it in play. Yeah, I mean, like, there's there's lots of ways to cheat that guy. I I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you entirely, but um, at, at this point, my uh, the way I feel about all these cards, um, show and tell, Gristlebrand, Emrakul, is just let them play for now. I don't I think especially with uh, Gristlebrand, it's kind of too early. Everybody's going crazy for it now because it's this new card that we have. Uh, and and you know there's not a clear way to fight it. But then Jerry T will show up at a legacy tournament with some obscure card from like you know Mirage, and that like completely destroys Gristlebrand or something. You know, and it's like nobody's right. thinking of it. And so uh, and, and also you know these decks are becoming a bigger and bigger part of the metagame, but they're they're no. Uh, I don't think they're reaching anywhere near the levels of like survival of the fittest. Or, oh, no, of course not. Uh, well, the difference between show-and-tell and survival is survival is able to be played in control and aggro, whereas show-and-tell is just combo. Yeah, so I, it's, it's worth noting that, like, the, the problem with, with show-and-tell and, and Gristlebrand isn't necessarily that they're, like, really they're, – they're universally good in a particular deck. Like, I think if you ban one or the other, 
they'll probably still survive. Like if you ban Gristlebrand, Show and Tell will be perfectly fine. It will just play Hive Mind. If you ban if you ban the Show and Tell, Gristlebrand has plenty of places that it can do broken things. Like I honestly don't yeah, believe yeah. that. Like and it's the same thing with Emrakul. Like Emrakul's not. It does not exist to do fair things. Like it exists to be cheated into play. And and as long as there are easy ways to cheat him into play, people are going to do it. Um, so I think that those three cards, and uh, and I used to think Lion's Eye Diamond to a lesser extent until we started doing things like cheating fifteen mana cards into play, yeah, were yeah. were in danger of being banned. So I think that Lion's Eye Diamond is perfectly fair right now because it's not. It's it is actually it is actually more fair than any of the combo decks in the top 32. In, the in spite of the fact that it's being played at Tess and Ad Nauseam and Dredge. Yeah. And, yeah. and Painter Grindstone, for that matter. But, yeah, like you, you, it's tough to do unfair things that aren't putting a Yaw Bargain or a 15-mana 15-15 that can't die ever into play. <laughs> Actually, uh, one thing that was really interesting that I read the other day, um, there's an article posted over in Star City by the Hatfields, and uh, it has the break. It has a breakdown from the last. It's not the last two, but two before that. Uh, Legacy opens, and there's a breakdown of the all the archetypes. And I was like, I was just kind of browsing through it, and I'm like, okay, obviously, rugs huge, Mavericks huge. When they were in Florida, um, burn was was a big part of the metagame. But the the thing that was most surprising to me in looking at both of these, I think I only saw two Merfolk decks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our folks real bad right now. Yeah, Merf- they're endangered species, really. Do you remember looking? I think we did an episode last year after the GP, and we we thought that we we, we surmised that Merfolk was at least twenty five percent of the metagame. Oh, absolutely. At one point, it was. It won. It won the most recent Grand Prix Columbus, Tomoharu Sato, which we can talk about. Uh, won with his mono blue splash black for engineered plague out of the sideboard. Uh, Merfolk deck, and oh how times have changed. Merfolk hasn't made the top eight of anything recently, you know. No, it hasn't. Um, but uh, you know, Ruben, since we're on the subject of Sido, why don't we uh, we'll we'll bench the legacy discussion for now, um, and uh, we'll obviously I, I want to talk about it again before we do the uh, before the before the invitational next week because yeah, we'll certainly revisit legacy. It's a it's a much more interesting format than standard in most people's opinions. And there's way more decks that can win a tournament. Whereas in standard I think that there's probably three, maybe four decks that can win a tournament. Legacy has probably fifteen decks that could theoretically win a tournament. So it's much more interesting to discuss. Yeah, definitely. So um a uh, a couple weeks ago the uh, Tomahar Saito was um, suspended from sanctioned play a few years ago. Due for, to, for 18, was it 18 months? I think it was an 18-month uh, They call it suspension, ban, whatever. Suspension, sure. It was, but I think it was a year and a half. It was. And uh, it was because of uh, a number of infractions. And we, we honestly, um, we, we won't get into that. I actually really love Saito as a player. But uh, he recently was um, allowed to come back to the game and play uh, Magic again. And uh, and that's something that's really exciting because he was a he was a big name in professional magic, and uh, a very big name um, in Japan, and yeah. uh, and somebody who has developed a huge name for himself as um, he's an entrepreneur. He has his own business that he's been running in Japan, his own card shop. Um, he recently launched his own website, and uh, and I think like people like that, especially after. 
you know, he, he was able to, he, he was suspended from the game. And a lot of people would say, Hey, you know what? 18 months, forget this. Like, I don't need this game. This is, this is too much. He stuck with it. He still went to events. Um, he still did his thing, just, you know, kind of biding his time. And now he's back and he's, and he's trying to play some games. Um, I think he, he recently posted that he, he's going to play, but he doesn't know if he wants to get back on the train. Like he doesn't know if he wants to, to play at the pro tour. Level. Right. Right. I think that players like Saito, I think, well, first of all, I'm not sure Saito, I am not sure Saito cheated. I'm not an expert in this, so I'm not going to go into it, but it, it's questionable to me. But the more important thing is after his suspension, he seems like the least likely person to get suspended again. Yes. Um, so I, I feel like people like him are, are, are good ambassadors to the game. Like I learned this, don't do it. Um, I have a card, he has a card shop. He's, you know, he's a nice guy. He's never, you know, I've never met anyone who's like, oh, that I tell he's such a, such a scumbag. You know what I mean? So I, I think that it's, it's good for him to be coming back. And it's not like he, his suspension didn't get shortened. I believe it was just over. Right. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, I mean, it, it this, you know, uh, people get unsuspended during the summer, like they in the summer and the winter, and this happened to be one of the players that got unsuspended in the summer. So I think that uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to see if he does try to get back on the train because he's a great player, um, and I like watching him shuffle because he's hilarious. <laughs> I think yeah. that may be part of what uh, <laughs> what contributed to his, his – Yeah, band. well, his shuffling is hilarious. Like he's just like a manic – like I don't even know, like a robot that just – Shuffles real fast. The other, well, the other thing that uh, obviously Saito is is a known, um, shall we say, he takes his time with decisions. So I'll, I'll be interested to see if uh, and he's he's also known for being the first one to sit down so he can face the round clock. I think, mm-hmm. I think you can catch my drift. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how how judges at high level events perceive him now. Yeah, yeah. Um. Very, very, very exciting to to uh, like I said. I I'm glad that he's I'm glad that he's back. Um, I hope that we see him at do do well at the GP level, just as like a sort of you know, hey, you know, I'm back. Like I'm I'm back, and and I'm, I've learned my lesson. If there was a lesson to be learned, etc. But um, let's shift gears again, and uh, let, let's talk a little bit about M13. We we talked about the standard metagame. Um, and kind of how it's obviously, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's not a lot of room to flex. This set will be legal the same time that the, uh, M12 will be legal. So they overlap for a little while. Yeah. Titans are going to stay legal until October. So it's not like we're as soon as M13 gets printed, everything's going to change like right away. Uh, what we're probably going to see is the bigger casting cost cards will come in and, and replace those, et cetera, et cetera. But we have a, a few cards that um, definitely have – there's some implication of uh, uh, some reprints because of the cards. And then there's some really, really neat cards. But, uh, Joey, why, why don't you talk a little bit about the, the, uh, some of the cards you were mentioning earlier? Okay. Um, so we've got a number of uh, kind of some blurry pictures, some confirmations, just a mix of, of everything. But one of the cards, the first card I wanted to mention was the card we were talking about just last week before this was spoiled – we were talking about Sarah Avatar, and Sarah Avatar yeah. is coming back. Um, Check that out. I, if we would have, uh, if if it would have come up last week, I would have said I thought Sarah Avatar was on the reserve list because I think yeah. I think Morphling is right. 
and they're in the same yeah. set. So you know, I think the rule is if it doesn't have a foil printing and it was pre masks, it's on the reserve list. Um, and well, the reserve list is just super outdated anyway. Yeah, so. it's like really weird, but that that's a that's a pretty good rule of thumb. So like if you look at a card like like expiration, you would think would be on the reserve list. It's not, um, but uh, Sarah Avatar has had a foil printing before. So for just sp- make all of Cranny's dreams come true if you reprint expiration. Jeez, oh, I that would, guy. It, it, I would play that until my hands are blue. Not even close. God. <laughs> so. so uh, I want to talk about a couple cards. Uh, well, for, well, we can continue the Sarah Avatar. Yeah, sorry. Just, I just, I just wanted to mention. I, I at least, and get your guys' thoughts. I love Sarah Avatar. New art looks pretty cool from the blurry picture. Uh, I don't see myself casting it while it's legal. I don't. I can't Agreed. imagine it seeing much, if any, play. Agreed. So. Uh, yeah, it's it's, awesome it's, it's not a very good card. It also uh, is a win trigger now. Whereas it used to just be if, I think, or if it was like as it goes into the graveyard, it immediately shuffles. I don't know if there's any effects that you can do uh, with its when it's put into a graveyard from anywhere, shuffle it into its own library. But it's interesting to note that I think that that's a wording change. Mm. But I, I certainly don't see myself casting a seven-mana, a Johnny 2020? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have anything else attached to it. There are, however, some other cards that point to implications that I want to talk about. Um Ranger's Path mm-hmm. is a sorcery that's common, three colorless and a green. Search your library for two forest cards and put them onto the battlefield tapped, and then shuffle your library. This is a sort of not exact reprint, slight wording difference of explosive vegetation. Mm-hmm. So you put two forests into play. This in, con- in connection with Farseek, Arbor Elf, and a new card called Liliana's Shade. It's a 1-1 for 4 mana. When Liliana's Shade enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a swamp, reveal it, and put it in your hand, then shuffle your library, and then it has the normal Shade ability. So these cards, to me at least, and I would imagine to you guys, uh, point to Shocklands making a return. Absolutely. At this point, it's just a matter of determining how they come back. So is it going to be... Are they going to do it in... Well, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, um, if it's if it's going to be in Return to Ravnica, are they going to do them in reverse order? Are they going to do them, uh, you know, like wedges or something and like print different? Like, so you'd have Stomping Grounds, uh, uh, Breeding Pool, and then uh, Steam Vents in the same set and like print them that way? Or are they going to try and do them all at once? Like, that's the only thing I could think of that's going to uh, – that's that need, that's up in the air. Otherwise, you like – you, we we put uh, ten rare lands in the same set in Zendikar. And that was just way too many. We had five fetch lands and five man lands. That was way too many for one set, even if it was a big set. The rumor that I've heard is that there's going to be five in M13, probably the allied colors, and the five enemy ones will be in Return to Ravnica. Is this a, a rumor or a prediction? This is a rumor. This okay. is a this is a rumor. I heard I read on Twitter. A couple people had this idea. Um, I think uh, Taylor Gunn, who is at Safe Search, LOL, uh, was the one that, that first brought it to my attention. This seems real plausible because you want to be able to sell both these sets, and you putting putting the the Shocklands in the two sets would be a real good way to sell cards. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, last I believe last fall at the first Modern 
Pro Tour, uh, back at Pro Tour Philly, I talked to Aaron Forsyth um, and about Shocklands, and he said, you know, it was their intention to get them reprinted. It was just a matter of when. Yep. So I think, you know, that that's why I'm absolutely positive that they're going to be printed in standard, you know, uh, in packs and available within the next, uh, most likely in the next month <laughs> or whatever, yeah, two months. I would, I would, I would, if I were a betting man, uh, I would put money on it. But definitely within the next block. So. Absolutely. So speaking of being a, a betting man about Shocklands, a big question that's coming up, uh, hashtag MTG Finance, is whether or not, like, if you're, if you're sitting on a play set of Shocklands, do you move them now or do you wait? So the the very, very easy answer to this question is sell. I mean, there's there's no like unless they do a a slow a slow um bleed into the block, so like three per set or something, these are gonna go down. They're gonna if it's in return to Ravnica, it's gonna get open infinite unless somehow this set was uh, you know blunderous. The fact that the demand goes up because they're in standard is gonna be a very small window for these. Um and, and I'll, to give you an idea, cards like Hallowed Fountain. Those are those are on buy list for about fifteen dollars, and they sell for about twenty five. You can be sure that if these get printed at rare, that's not going to be a twenty five dollar card. Um, so just keep that in mind. Now, if somehow they're mythic, that no could, way, absolutely not. There's well, no way these would be mythic. I'm just saying that's that is the only like I don't want to eat my words. That's the only way these cards are not a good reason to sell now. But that's, it's it's very unlikely. Um, so if you're holding on to a play set and you don't play standard, if you see them on a buy list, there's, there are lots of stores that, that have gaps in their inventory that, that need to, to fill them. In fact, I, I sold a few to Star City this past weekend. Um, they, they, uh, they still are valuable cards. They get played a ton in other formats, including Legacy, believe it or not. Um, just, right. But just don't hold on to them because you think, oh, my $25 breeding pool is going to be $25 because it's going to be standard legal. Well, it's probably going to be more like at maximum $15, uh, but probably more like 10 since it's there are so many in print. So that I'll, just, I'll keep, keep in mind that uh, yours are the pimp version because they're the oldest. Obviously, yeah, they're they're way cooler, and I'll look way cooler with my. And they're they're played in EDH. They're played in modern. They're going to be played everywhere. They're not going to lose all of their value, but certainly getting reprints is going to lose some of its value. I mean, that's the way it, that's the way it works. I'll I'll tell you if they have new artwork, um, it's going to even contribute more to the pimp versions. Yeah, uh, because Rob Alexander's is awesome, yeah. gorgeous. So uh, a few more cards I wanted to to mention that we have rumored. Uh, or confirmed. I'm not. I'm not going to differentiate, but I did want to mention we've got a black card: destroy target creature, murder. It's just <laughs> murder. It's yep. and, and I think several people. No flavor text. Yeah, several people. Exactly. That's even funnier. There's no no uh, flavor text, but uh, several people pointed out like, wow, how has this name not been taken yet? It's just yeah. so perfect. I started a discussion on Twitter in honor of murder uh, called hashtag magic card felonies. And we had it. We had a nice list going of, of various arsonists and, you know, bribery and larceny and things like that. So that was a fun discussion. Piracy. That's great. Extortion, blackmail. They were, it, was a, it was a fun discussion. So uh, a, co- a couple other cards that are getting, uh, getting reprinted are uh, Vampire Nighthawk and Vampire Nocturnus. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Um 
Nocturnus uh, was a very expensive card for a while. It was like 20 bucks a piece for a little while because it was a very popular deck, and they were, it was a, uh, a release foil, I believe, or a box foil, one of the two. Um, and Nighthawk making a comeback, which is an interesting one for the base set. Yeah, I, lo- I love that card. I'll be very surprised if Nocturnus is remotely playable without Gatekeeper and Hexmage, but... It's still, I still like to see it just because it's clear that Wizards wants Vampire to be a mainstream creature uh, uh, subtype, so, um, or a, a tribal theme. So I'm, I'm glad to see it back. I, I, I think Vampires are, I, I like them as a, as a creature because of what they, like their abilities that they have. Like um, the Innistrad Vampire Cycle, they were all like saboteur, you know, they got plus one plus one counters, so like the, they do like, you know, drinking blood sort of thing. So I, I like the vampires from a flavor perspective, and as long as they, uh, yeah. as long as they don't go overboard with it, I think they did a really good job with the Innistrad block and not not making vampires something to be like embarrassed about. Like I think they really made them very uh, what's the word? Not like baroque, but like very classical. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was a, a good choice to reprint him. Yeah, yeah. Um... So uh, one other card I wanted to talk about. Well, th- three real quick mentions. Uh, there's apparently a new bla- new black planeswalker, a new white planeswalker. Yep. I think it's Ajani and, and Liliana. That's it, been confirmed. four mana Liliana, three mana Ajani, and the three mana Ajani will probably only have two abilities. Okay, so yeah, that, that'll be interesting when we find out what those are. Uh, there's a new incinerate without the um, without the regeneration. You know, it cannot regenerate text. Yep. Uh, but one card I wanted to talk about. Actually, I'll, I'll give you guys a choice. There were two cards that I'm deciding between: Jace's Phantasm and Talrin Sky Summoner. Mm. Let's let's talk uh, Sky Summoner instead okay. of Phantasm, since Phantasm needs a little more context. I think. Fair. Yeah. Okay. So Talrin Sky Summoner uh, is a four mana. It's a, it's a blue blue two. Uh, it's a two two, and I'm pulling it up in front of me here. Okay, legendary creature Merfolk. It's a rare. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a 2-2 blue Drake creature token with flying onto the battlefield. So um, at first, I kind of dismissed it. And then the kind of the more I think about it, it's kind of interesting. Um, it's, it's kind of mini Grave Titan-ish in a way. Uh, it's kind of interesting if you were, say, a control deck to, to put this into play on turn six, leaving, like, counter mana open. Yep. Uh, and... Your opponent plays something and say, you know, whatever. You cast a thought scour, you get a get a guy block, you know, yep. something like at that. instant it's speed. Absolutely. Right. The so, other thing is that uh, cloud shift is now a card, uh, and also we have a new is it Cronarch in the base set, Archaeomancer, which if you have those three cards in play for one white mana, you get a two two Drake, as much as you want to pay one white mana for. Well, so that's yeah. a thing that can exist. I'm Hadn't not sure even, if it's good, yeah. but. <laughs> Also, this this lets me use uh, 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 the wrapper Drake. Like, I get to use those as my tokens now. <laughs> so that's awesome. fun. Nice. But that's one to keep an eye out for as far as, like, maybe people trying to work it into decks. It just looked interesting to me. So Yeah. I can, we can, we can see what happens with that guy. So Yeah, we can talk more M13. I'm sure we will in the next... Yeah, we have just, uh, what about, about half the set? Maybe a little bit more than half the set? Yeah, we got like 90 cards. Yeah, so so we're looking pretty good, and that comes yeah, out... Yeah, we got like two-fifths so we'll, of the set. We'll have this full spoiler probably within the next three or four weeks, but I don't think official previews even start. So this is all Duels of the Planeswalker. Official previews start next week. So 
Duels of the Planeswalkers is going to be a platform that uh, Wizards is using for a lot of their marketing. Like they're really, they're really trying to market up to Duels of the Planeswalkers. Um, if you look at their sites and, uh, and a lot of their their marketing communications, it, I think it, it was it was obviously a big success the first time around for them to put this game out. It brought a lot of people back into the game. Um, it's also like really good. I found as a gateway for. Uh, boyfriends and girlfriends to teach their significant other how to play magic. Uh, because at least for me, like when someone says, teach me how to play magic, I'm just, I, I just, I just don't want to do it because I'm, I'm too, I'm too like analytical. And like, so I want to go through every intricacy and, and I don't keep it high level enough. So I always, I like, I'm, I'm good. If you, if you know the basics of the game, I can help you like, you know, play, but like, I could never teach my wife how to play. So we downloaded the duels of the planeswalkers, um, and played through it. And it was really great because, you know, it's like, okay, here's where you attack. And here's like, you know, damage goes on and you can, you, you know, if you have a, a, a pinger, you can ping your opponent or the creature. And like, so it was like really like kind of a cool thing. And the reason that I'm mentioning this is, uh, magic has, just so many different ways that it can entertain us uh, either from the current platform of games like tool duels of the planeswalkers magic online uh, to uh, magic, like as a, as an actual uh, 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 news and um, an entertainment platform in, uh, in video. So like being able to tune into, to you guys doing coverage um, is, is, uh, is something in and of itself and, and grand prix. And, uh, and obviously podcasts is, is, you know, radio as a medium. So it's just like all these things, um, that, that you can do that any given, any given hour, you could probably immerse yourself in playing magic or, or grinding magic. And so I don't know if I'd call it like a tribute, but I kind of just wanted to grind on that for a minute, just, just to talk about, um, you know, like maybe, okay, maybe to, to, for the sake of keeping the discussion short, what's your, what's your top, like three things that you do when you have idle time that, uh, and you, and you want to, and you want to do something magic related. So I'll, I'll hit you with that. Joey, why don't you start? Um, hmm, that's a good question. See the question, the answer now is usually watch some sort of video, either like archives, archived video, if it's the middle of the week. Um, I don't tend to watch a lot of streaming, but, uh, but I do, I like looking, you know, at, at the matches from SCG Live or from Pro Tours or sometimes, I mean, and I've said this before in multiple, uh, you know, on several podcasts and I think was talking about it on SCG Live that uh, I, I actually love to just rewatch the Pro Tour Chicago 99 all the time where it's uh, Bob Meyer versus Brian yep. Davis. and. Yep. That's talking, a great one. It's incredible. I was talking to Bob Maher, actually, over the weekend. He was in Columbus and, you know, just telling him how much I just love that match. It's such a crazy good match, and that's one that you guys can search for in the archives on uh, on Daily MTG. But um, coming up soon, I, I wanted to mention this since you brought it up, Cranny. Uh, Duels of the Planeswalkers, the, the new version, is the official release date is June 20th, um, and something big this year is uh, that it's coming to iPad. And so yes. if you ask me this question a month from now, I might be telling you how much I'm playing Duels of the Planeswalkers on iPad. Absolutely, I, yeah. I have yet to play Duels of the Planeswalkers myself. Like, I've seen people playing it and uh, read about it, and it sounds like they've improved it. You can tap your own 
choose your own mana as far right. as... Right, like, you can leave unsummoned mana up if you want now. Yeah, there was a big deal where, like, the the game decided what lands you tapped to cast your spells, and that was, like, really? That seems like a huge part of the game that that you would want to be able to control, and that's something they fixed. But anyway, June 20th is the official release date. Uh, I did get uh, some info from Mark Nolan, one of the pr- promo guys at Wizards, said that... Uh, that it's you know plus or minus a day or two as far as iPad is because uh, as far as iPad goes because the app, Apple App Store sometimes is it's kind of unpredictable as to when they're going to post the actual game so uh, that's coming up real soon two weeks less yep. than two weeks so that's nice. that's exciting so I'll let you guys go ahead uh, Ruben what was the question <laughs> sorry well, I sort of my brain sort of fell asleep there i'm so no, that's right i'll answer it and then you can you can answer the question All was right. basically what do you do to keep yourself entertained oh uh, sure oh I, I i mine mine is uh, i love watching people stream um i i love and i, I uh basically they're magic online streams i think that that's just a really cool way to get um people talking people involved people playing and uh, it's a really good like if you're if you're just sorting cards or you're working on you know a paper or something it's just so fun to have up in the background it's almost like you're in the same room as that person like especially if it's somebody you know i just i just find that that's a lot of fun and uh star city i believe recently released um a way for you to like post your streams on the website yes so that people could follow it which is like that's just a really cool idea. I, I think that that's. Uh, I hope that catches on. I hope people start using that because I, I love bouncing between streams. So that's that's yeah. my big time waster. I also, um, I, I also really love like just sorting and and uh, and doing that sort of thing. So like any any old coverage, I love. Like I I, I probably watch the Chapin versus Nasif um, finals from Worlds probably yeah. like probably fifty times. Like I, I just think it's just a really cool thing. Like it's it's like watching you know, like a, a really good piece of classic sports, you know, history or, or someone like, you know, get their, get Nolan, Nolan Ryan getting like his 5,000th strikeout. Strike out, yeah. yeah. Like that, that to me is, is really cool. So that's, that, that's my, my favorite way to. Interesting story. I was the first person to walk past Pat Chapin after that match. <laughs> and I gave him a little like sarcastic applause and he gave a little sarcastic bow and then we just moved on. Um, it was a very, it was a very interesting moment. Um, the things that I kind of do with my spare time, I mean, of course now magic is my job. So I sort of, in my spare time, I do other things, but w- magic related, I, uh, I really like EDH. So I build my EDH decks and like try to find cool cards for them. You know, I have, I have a Azuri, uh, EDH deck that I recently found a starter wood elves, for so i'm pretty excited about that you know that's the kind of thing that i'm into i also like listening to streams but i'm I'm big into the culture i like the personalities so when they're streaming with good personalities and like people that talk a lot like michael jacob is is one of the best ones believe it or not he he talks to his audience he takes input uh and he 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 helps you learn and he's also just hilarious to watch you know there's a bunch of good ones but uh i know mike jacob is online a lot so i like listening to streams as well Nice. Well, uh, that that's about it for our discussion um, on uh, well, pretty much everything this week. I, I just want to again give a big thank you to Star City for being our new mothership. That's um, right. I also definitely want to to shout out Sam and uh, 
we we'll probably be slowly not shouting him out throughout the years, but, uh, <laughs> but for I, I, now he's but still now, fresh in our memory. Yeah, he's, he's still there. And, um, you know, we, we, we are just really excited to get started with star city games. And, um, and, uh, if you have any inputs on, uh, on things you'd like to hear, things you'd like to cover, as always, you can leave them on our blog and, uh, if, Pretty soon you'll be able to leave him on Star City. So yeah, that's right. I actually get to see Stodd in November. I'm going to the Star City game Seattle in November. So pretty uh, excited about that. There's there's an SCG Seattle coming up in July. Yeah, I, I'm not going to that one though. Jeez, Rubes, come on. Sorry, man. <laughs> well, I, I think Sam is going to be there, so I'll get to see him before you. You, oh best. man, I'll just see you guys with, with some sort of prank. How dare you? <laughs> But uh, we we actually have a lot of pretty exciting things coming up. I think next yeah. next week we're going to have some new music, maybe. Yeah, but we also have a new newsening coming up on Monday. Oh, uh, that show is awesome. Oh, and I, I may as well just let the cat out of the bag. We have a promotional product coming up that we're very excited about. Um, I don't want to get in too much because we don't have all the details, but it may or may not involve tokens and uh, one of our favorite illustrators, if that's enough uh information for you but uh, we're really excited for that for that project should be, should be a lot of fun yep that's right all right in contention tokens coming away yeah so uh, i guess i guess that's everything for this week uh till next week we're in contention Contention podcast is brought to you by SaracenGames.com. Basically, you can order your without express written consent of Major League Baseball. Visit us over the CBS Cares.